0: Hello friends. It's that time again. Time to find your balls. Hope you're having better luck than I am. I can't find those motherfuckers. Uh, Anyway, Jeff Stuckey riding shotgun. Greg Greg Allen. Allen. (laughs) Hands on the wheel.
1: (laughs) How are you, Greg Allen? Yeah, I'm doing good today. Ready to see what we're going to talk about. Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) got any uh, small talk with Greg? Well, I did try something new. This isn't small talk, but this is just basic conversation that oh, I'm, okay. I'm not good at. Look it. at you branching out. I shit. know. Well, yeah, you always tell me, little, social Greg, little butterfly. Go, <laughs> go ahead and interject. And I think that's interrupting. If someone's talking, I like to let them finish their right. thought so they get the feeling that I'm listening to them because right. I am. So I've been it's trying. common for people who are highly introverted
0: mm-hmm. to not believe in interjection. They find it to be interruption. And then people who are highly extroverted.
1: Mm-hmm like (laughs) that's just part of it yeah yeah. i'm just
0: interjecting
1: even when they hijack your whole fucking story right like like i just did (laughs) so it happened last night i was talking with my wife and a friend of ours and they were talking back and forth and i was supposed to be part of the conversation because they were asking me questions about something and uh and so i i i would call interrupted twice and i said i'm sorry interrupted and uh and she said, "No, you you didn't interrupt. Just go ahead." She said, "I'll just fill the space, the airspace, you know." So you have to, you have to interject, you know. So I was trying that and failing several times, and finally one time I started talking, and my wife started talking a second or two seconds later, and I kept going. That's hard for me to do. I want to stop. I just kept going, tried to raise the volume a little bit without it being noticeable, and actually finished the sentence. And then by then, she stopped talking. And then I got up and was jumping around, you know, like, first down kind of thing, you know. Like, oh, yeah. I said, I did it. I talked right over you. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, but then you ruined it. Sit down and shut up. You can't, you know, you made the whole thing awkward by saying you did it. It's like, but yeah. You yeah, but I mean,
0: it was the first time. I mean, you're setting a precedent. I don't all know. Right. That was big for
1: me. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. It felt like interrupting. Yeah. And then talking while somebody's talking <clears throat> that's not communicating <laughs> well in my mind
0: right right which is weird because it's just like interjection is just because i'm highly extroverted it's just very like well, i fucking hijack your sentences all the time i don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> like, well guess what greg you're done talking and uh, i'm gonna start talking so okay anyway, so that's that's maybe some nuances in mm-hmm. small talk so you introverts out there don't be shy You jump in there, you take over a fucking sentence like it's yours (laughs) and you take it wherever you want. And you, and when you go, right, if you're with somebody that's highly extroverted, you can't fucking stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is a game of chicken. You cannot lose no matter what. Okay. Keep going with it. Oh yeah. Cause I'll do that sometimes with clients. Clients will get going and they're just, oh my God, going on forever. So I'll have to jump in. Typically it's like when I'm doing marriage counseling, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, whatever. And it's like, and sometimes it'll, I'll have to go for a while, but it's like, (laughs) I got to win. Yeah. So once you, you you introverts out there, once you go, you can't discard the anxiety that you feel and you just run with that fucking ball. (laughs) Okay. That's good stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not a ball scratcher, but we'll see yeah. if we don't come up with something but <laughs> we can revert back to it so what do you do for pleasure like what's your what are your sources of pleasure
1: yeah uh as far as physically I love dirt bike riding, so I do that and um, and exercising uh and i and I like to draw, so I'll do that a lot you know drawing sketches doodling writing, you know I like to write, so that'd be. Yeah, that's what I do for And
0: that's just like, like pleasure, that's pleasurable?
1: Oh, yeah. Like the writing part or the drawing just gets my mind in a good place, you know? So what, like how, if you were going to define the word pleasure, how would you define it? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I want to say just a feeling of, of uh, peace and contentment. I mean, I'm sure it's a little more than that, you know, to get towards something exhilarating, but pleasure for me would be a peace and contentment, you know. Which is
0: a little bit actually the opposite of pleasure, right? Because peace and contentment typically is more lack of emotional stimulation, mm. whereas pleasure is intense emotional stimulation. Okay. Yeah. Right. So so there is a little bit of a distinction between something that relaxes me. Those kinds of things. There's psychologist by the name of Martin Seligman and he he started the study of happiness. You know, he he felt like, okay, if we can clinically quantify depression, anxiety, yeah. mood disorders of that nature we why can't we quantify happiness mm-hmm. and why can't we measure? You know, if you can, if you can say that these nine things, five of these nine things over a period of time, are what we call depression. Why can't happiness be similarly related to yeah. that? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So his first attempt um, was he divided. Happiness into three three categories of happiness: uh, pleasure, flow, and meaning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And pleasure is pleasure is just it's more hedonistic, right? It's mm-hmm. just emotional gratification. Mm-hmm. It is the pleasure of watching my football team win okay it's the pleasure of a funny television show it's the pleasure of you know a fucking chocolate sundae what you yeah, know yeah. so these kind of what, hedonistic right mm-hmm. just that those pleasurable pursuits so that was the the first kind of most shallow um expression of what at the time was considered a part of happiness And then he further defined, divided it into flow flow is what you were discussing Mm -hmm. when you ride your dirt bike or you're writing or drawing or those kinds of things. It's really more the absence of emotional stimulation, right? Okay. Because you think about releasing emotion is exhausting, Mm -hmm. right? I mean you ever laugh so hard that you're just like <laughs> fuck man I've got to stop laughing yeah, right yeah. so so when you're when you are releasing emotion I mean whether it's crying anger whatever that is that's actually emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. but flow is replenishing okay it's it's not the release of but it's actually something that is giving me emotional resources. Yeah. Yeah. And then meaning is the way that he described it was f- whatever gives me flow when I take that and I plug it into a broader context mm-hmm. and it gets an exponential return, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you write something there's some level of you know that's that sense of flow but then if you write something and then people read it and it affects them in tangible measurable ways then that's the yeah. return on that that's even more replenishing right is the meaning that you get from it right right and what what his re, and what research has found is that pleasure okay, that first level mm-hmm. is like French vanilla ice cream. French vanilla ice cream only tastes like French vanilla ice cream up to five bites. <laughs> but on the sixth bite, it just yeah. tastes like vanilla. Yeah. The other thing that he found is as they measured other people's behaviors, right? And put them in the categories of pleasure, flow, meaning. Mm -hmm. People who had lots of pleasure activities had a very low overall life experience. Pleasure did not add value to a life experience if flow and meaning we're not present. okay. And it, it's somewhat, it's almost intuitive and counterintuitive at the same time, right? That, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But the problem that that creates for us socially and the problem that it creates for us as men, for the reasons that we've talked about, is pleasure is so accessible. mm it's so accessible, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's useful to think of something as just pure pleasure as something unearned, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you get a trophy, right? It's not the trophy; it's it's the sacrifice, it's the effort, it's the endeavor yeah. that you engaged in that that trophy represents. Mm-hmm. If somebody just comes up to you and gives you a championship trophy and says, "Hey, take this home with you," right? <laughs> right it's like that's right. fucking weird. Why why yeah. why would I do that? Yeah. But if I've earned it, it's like, "Give me my fucking trophy," right? Mm-hmm. Because that is a concrete representation of all the effort and the sacrifice that I put in to achieve whatever goal that was.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's really where meaning in life comes from but the problem is that pleasure as we've defined it is so fucking accessible yeah and the biggest problem is uh, is for adolescents especially adolescent boys yeah right because (laughs) the the pleasure is just in the palm of their hand and the pleasure of uh, think of how distorted our world has become. Where I'll take a picture of myself, I'll put a filter on that motherfucker. Like <laughs> I will recreate it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I will sit around and see how many likes and comments I get, mm. and and get dependent on that pleasure. Yeah and i was listening to a neuroscientist talk about this topic the other day and <clears throat> how corruptive unearned pleasure is mm-hmm. and he he used the term addiction and he said the definition of addiction that he used was the narr- the progressive narrowing of things that provide emotional gratification hmm. which i thought was i thought was such a useful definition because we i think we're mostly myopic when we think about addiction you know we think about alcoholics we think about drug addicts we think about you know, whatever you know yeah. it's a pretty narrow list yeah. but a broader definition of that of addiction of the progressing the progressive narrowing of things that provide me emotional gratification down to where it's just one thing mm-hmm. and you need more of it. Right. Too. Yeah. And what, what is that one thing for all of us? Motherfucking phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how often do you check yours yeah. and you're not, I mean, let's yeah. say you're, you're an anomaly. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, now that, you're, now that you're into the squid game. <laughs> you didn't have to bring that up. Well, of course I did. Uh. Well, but I've recently, you know, I'm in a group where we've made a, uh, a commitment to, to downplay the, the digital world, <laughs> to not be in front of the screen as much, you know, to turn our phones off. 10 o'clock or maybe seven o'clock at night, you know, if you want to, just to stop and then not start again until the morning. Don't let it be the last thing you see before you go to bed and the first thing you see when you get up. So I've been conscious about that, uh, which I already, I thought I was until I realized, well, I could spend two hours on this thing during the day, you know, which is nothing compared to the youngsters. But, the average you know. right now is 3.5
0: hours a day gosh yeah that's just and the more interesting question is why don't we spend more you know it's like <laughs> what makes you
1: stop yeah huh? it's like
0: people it's like people say well why do people spend so much time on their phones it's like well why the fuck don't they spend more man they're yeah. fucking amazing yeah and yeah. but we don't think of it in terms of and then the the mood disorders that are associated with that mm-hmm. right when you have pleasure that is unearned, mm-hmm. right? It's meaningless. Mm-hmm. So you get something, and it has no value to you. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. not it's not satisfying, and so then the, but now, you know, when I think in terms of addiction as this progressive narrowing of things that provide emotional gratification, it's it's like. Okay, so now I've reduced it down, and it's mm-hmm. like, I want more. I want more. Mm-hmm. And so you start to see this in kids' behavior when you try to start to put limits on them when it comes to electronics, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they're glued to the thing oh, yeah. and probably couldn't pass a quiz on whatever they're watching or whatever, and it's like, no, I don't want... It. You know, that mm-hmm. that demandingness and that sense of entitlement oh, yeah. that yeah. comes from that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things just as a personal practice for men, because we're even a little bit more susceptible to this because of the things that we've talked about previously, right? The four primary conflicts for men, you know, our only orientation to reality is success, power, and achievement. And so we're already fucking stressed out about that. We don't do vulnerable emotions, And if we do happen to wander into them, they're typically not well-received, you know? It's like, fucking suck that up, you know? It's like, which is so funny because it's so well-known how much trouble men are in, and yet any emotional vulnerability that we express is still so, like, shunned. Like, get your shit to get, like, be a man, you know? It's just, um, and then lack of emotional support from other men. So then for us, we can become so susceptible to that, that pleasure Mm -hmm. and just, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that, that ding of pleasure. And that's the thing as men that we have to be more concerned about, right? It's less about the issues. Right? It's Mm -hmm. less about if I'm alcoholic, if I'm, you know, if I'm a drug addict, these kinds of things. There's two types of addiction, right? There's physical addiction. My body can become physically addicted Mm -hmm. to something. Mm -hmm. Physical addiction is fairly easy to break, right? I mean, you just deprive somebody, they go through the withdrawals, whatever that is. But it's the psychological addiction that's difficult. That's where the real resistance is Mm -hmm. and in a, in a world where pleasure is so accessible that is unearned. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like there was a time where I'd have to go hunt and kill something, clean it, take it back to (laughs) camp, cook it, then eat it. Yeah. Now I just pull into the motherfucking drive through. <laughs> I don't even have to get my fat ass out of the car. Yeah. And I'm like, give me the baconator with the supersized fry and uh Coca-Cola. Like, and just, <laughs> yeah. I don't, the, the hardest thing that I do is reach for my wallet. Yeah. That's yeah. the amount of effort <laughs> that goes into acquiring that food. Yeah. And then I eat that food, and then what's waiting for me? A craving, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. It's like Built I'm in. physically fucking stuffed. Like, oh, God, I think I'm going to shit myself. But then I see the fucking ice cream shop, and I'm like, well, that sounds yummy. So then I pull into the goddamn drive through <laughs> With the, and now I'm like, give me a triple chocolate yeah. Sunday, whatever. But it's that same thing, right? There's absolutely no sacrifice or effort. It's like getting the trophy yeah. without earning the trophy. Right, right. And it's important for us as men to kind of reconceptualize maybe some of the things that that we may be struggling with that okay, if if I'm not doing, I'm a drinker, right? And it's like, okay, but I have to be careful about that because I'd be a fucking phenomenal alcoholic, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll be my our next podcast, how good of alcoholic Jeff Stuckey would be. Yeah. Um, and some people may say I am, I don't know. But um, I have to structure things so that it's, okay, I've, I've earned this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's probably not a good example because I don't typically reward myself with alcohol, but it's like practicing deprivation mm-hmm. from that just accessible pleasure mm-hmm. and getting comfortable in that state of deprivation mm-hmm so that I'm starting to create that psychological resistance to whatever that is. But it the, the issue is that the unearned pleasure has become so accessible that the quest for the stimulation yeah. has
1: now interrupted every aspect of our lives. Oh, right, right. Now, can we talk through like an example for a guy today that's working through something that wants his life to be different. So he's accessing some type of pleasure and food was a good example, you know, just overindulging in that. So just, Oh, I can tell you the number one where we do it, right.
0: Is communication with our partners.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Right. It's just, you're right, honey. I'm sorry. I'll try harder. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm right. You're right, baby. I'm
1: so sorry. I'm
0: going to try a lot harder. Yeah. And that's avoiding the hard oh, part. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. right. So yeah. we again we don't we don't like those vulnerable emotions. And so we'll we'll kind of just kind of subjugate ourselves in our relationships to where she's the barometer, mm-hmm. right, of all things in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that discomfort of okay, I want to understand. How you feel about this, mm-hmm. but I also want to explain to you my perspective on this, yeah, and then I want us to come to a conclusion mm-hmm. you know, so that that was that's where I find that men bail out the most, oh, yeah, it's just okay, is this battle worth fighting? How long am I gonna have to? Listen about this. Probably not going to get laid for a while. Uh, just give in. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, okay. For her, right, that's that unearned trophy. Oh, right. Right. Yeah.
1: You didn't work through the relationship.
0: Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So it's just like I've just handed her the championship trophy and then she's like, fucking, she's (laughs) still in a, you know, shitty mood and she may even be confused by that. Right. Because it's like, well, why is this not satisfying? Because it, because, because we didn't do the rigorous effort of getting to that place of understanding each other and deciding together. Mm -hmm. And so, and I see that in couples, I see it in families. I mean, it's. The the communication in families is fucking crazy. I can't believe some of the cases that I have right now where parents are bringing these kids in and what these kids are into. I mean, they have this other life mm-hmm. and the parents don't have a fucking clue and the kid doesn't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. It's like... This family rule is: we don't talk about anything that matters. <laughs> we just act like it does yeah. not exist. Yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> and then we watch TV or we whatever. I mean, it's yeah. just. And and again, I'll, I'll go back because I, this is the point that I'm I'm trying to make is this pleasure quest, right? It, it just it it is, it's this invisible odorless gas Mm. that is just poisoning every aspect of our modern lives yeah yeah.
1: now you you talked before about people trying to have those hard conversations where they do feel listened to they get their point across the other person can repeat it to where it's like okay we're understanding but do you find people are are able to do that that have the patience and resilience to work through a, a conversation that may take an hour you know No,
0: what I, so (laughs) what I do in the beginning, right, with when I'm working with couples on learning how to do this is an assigned time. Okay, so it's Sundays at three o'clock is when we have relationship conversations, right? Because it's not fair when you know, I come home from work, she's pissed off about something. I'm not in that head space or vice versa. Yeah. Right. She's been, she's, been at work juggling all kinds of things, and I get my feelings hurt about something. And her headspace—she's not in the same headspace. Yeah, I've already got my script and fucking fucking <laughs> written, right? <laughs> right. And she's thinking about how the hell are we going to get these kids fed and get everybody where they need to be, whatever version of that. So that yeah. you have to eliminate that distraction, right? Okay. So you set aside a time, and then the other—the next thing is you set a timer. Get mm. your fucking phone out and. 30 minutes tops when the timer goes off you're done yeah we're we don't want to go past the point of diminishing return we'll take some time and consider what each other has said and then okay and this and i make couples do this then go get a fucking trophy as soon as you have finished that conversation reward each other For having the difficult conversation. You don't have to solve anything. You just had to have it. The fact that we had the conversation, that we took time to do real work on our relationship. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go, we're going to, we get a trophy for doing that. Mm -hmm. Go have a glass of wine somewhere, go get a dessert. I don't, whatever it is, I don't give a shit. And I don't care if you feel like doing it or not. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because oftentimes after a difficult conversation, what do two people do? (laughs) Yeah. They separate. Right. right. They just, they go away and they pout and some, eventually somebody's tired of pouting. And so they start feeling out the water and then they're like, (laughs) (laughs) that sort of thing. It's like, no, when you have intentionally done something, and this would be an example of that, Mm -hmm. right? This would be meaning, Mm -hmm. right? Flow would be. I'm going to contribute to the conversation. Your flow is you're contributing to the conversation. That creates meaning. So now we get the pleasure and we will experience the pleasure. The pleasure will be meaningful. So we're going to reward ourselves for having done that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And when
0: we start to create our world that way, whether it's relationally, whatever it is, any form of deprivation, I mean, I do cold showers. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, all right, that fucking sucks. Yeah. you know after i get done i take my shower when i'm done put it on cold i count i used to start it out by counting to 20 and just focus <laughs> on breathing uh-huh. like forget about the water just focus on breathing and just breathe all the way through that and then it's like now for me it was kind of that the stimulation of that was the reward mm-hmm. in and of mm-hmm. itself but it just it those any kinds of deprecation resistance against pleasure.
1: Mm. Oh, that's the value. See, I was wondering, uh, just the deprivation for itself, it just didn't seem right. It's the resistance
0: to to unearned pleasure. Okay, so that's what
1: you're trying to build up.
0: Because, Because of the way that our society is arranged, right? To go back to before, you know, even in an agrarian-based culture, right? You got to go grow your fucking yeah. food. Yeah, like you you earn it, and you eat that shit, and it's like this is the best shit I've ever eaten, right? <laughs> but it it's yeah. you know it's you go to a restaurant today, and it's like, meh, nah, it was fine, oh, two right. stars, blah 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 blah, whatever Google review, yeah, sort of thing, because we have so we have nothing invested in it, yeah, nothing like, real invested in it, yeah. And then it's just like that same sort of thing. It's just like, well, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Whenever, we, whenever we resist that unearned pleasure, that, I want to be very specific about that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not deprivation for the sake of deprivation. Mm-hmm. It's the acknowledgement of the fact that modern society has so much stimulation that it's just constantly bombarding me with access to pleasure that I virtually put no investment in. Right. Right. And it's actually the investment that I do make, right. Is the money that I spend on it. And the money that I spend on it represents hours of my fucking life. Right. That I ain't getting back. Right. So I hand them a 20. I get a double cheeseburger and some fries for Mm. those hours of my life that I drove through a drive through for. And then I sit there and I eat it And I wonder, why am I not satisfied? Well, you just traded hours of your life for something that you had nothing invested in and you're like, meh. Right. And so that's that's where we grow as men because we're already so emotionally depleted that we're so susceptible to those pleasure impulses. Mm And then we end up just chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. And then that's where addiction, right? The progressive reduction of things that provide me pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then I just keep chasing that hole. Oh yeah, Whether it's pornography or whatever. It is. I mean, it can be anything. I mean, yeah. it literally can be anything. And I think that's why that definition of addiction is so useful. The progr- when I start to see that imbalance of my life, Right. And then you think about, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? Right. Peace. You know, mm-hmm. peace is able to find pleasure and meaning in any and all things. Yeah. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of addiction. Right. Right. right? right. And it's that psychological peace that that deprivation allows us to
1: rewire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten to that place. In in drawing or, or copying ancient texts and trying to actually uh, imitate the Gothic letters, something like that, you know, and it, it reminds me of the feeling I get when I would, right when I'd start drinking, you know, like the first drink or two, it's like you're just, your head goes somewhere right. and, it, and it just feels good. Of course, drinking, I would mess that up. But with the drawing and stuff, it's like, oh, man, I'm just staying here. And I get overwhelmed for a moment, you know? Yeah, and that it's, it's interesting because when
0: we do start to develop an addictive behavior, right, the precursor to that behavior is the ritualization, the priming of the <laughs> brain right mm-hmm. it's the excitement of the first drink it's the excitement of the yeah. hitting the joint it's the whatever it is yeah. it's that dopamine release that yeah. is actually the high mm-hmm. of that yeah. yeah it's that and that's what you're experiencing right that ritualization like whenever mm-hmm. you do that that sort of thing mm-hmm. but it's actually a healthy version of it mm-hmm. so that's that's the hack of getting my brain to do that in ways that are constructive for me rather than ways that are destructive for me. Yeah. And it's just so fucking pervasive. It's so... The average American picks up their phone every one minute, 15 seconds. Mm. Now, that in and of itself is a little bit disturbing, but what research shows is they did a study in California, um, University of California, Irvine, that it took 23 minutes for them to regain focus. Yeah, yeah. That's the catastrophe. In mm-hmm. it. So at, when I am in, <clears throat> again, flow, right, that level of focus, it's actually the absence of emotional stimul- stimulation. And then I pick up my phone because I'm yeah. fucking rat seeking a pellet, yeah, right? Yeah. It takes me 23 minutes to get back to that place. Yeah, yeah. Now, most people... Aren't doing that right because they're picking their phone up every one minute and 15 seconds. Right. So they can't even get into that place of flow. Mm -hmm. So they can't be productive. I mean, they're completely detached from their personal experience Mm -hmm. and then take that into their marriage, take that into their family, take that into every aspect of life. And it's like, we literally are the walking dead.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's why I've been enjoying spending so much time with my granddaughter because she has a phone, but she's allowed to use it like 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening. I mean, I don't understand it, but uh, her mom is like, well, this is in case she needs she have an emergency. It's like, yeah, how many times is she out walking down the street by herself? She's nine years old. <laughs> but Sure, I, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Right. But uh, Emergency. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a g- great time just being present. And I mean, we just, we walk two blocks to Mary's shop from our condo and, and it'll take an hour because there's a lot to see when you're yeah. nine years old. Yeah. You know? yeah. Maybe it's because you're only two feet from the ground, but right. it's like, Isn't that funny,
0: man? I, Cause yeah. when I was a kid, um, I, especially in the summer, man. We'd leave first thing in the morning. My parents wouldn't <laughs> see me until the sun came down. Right, right. I mean, I don't know if they give a fuck or didn't worry or like what, but it's like, what the hell happened to
1: the world? Yeah. Man? Oh, yeah. You can't do that now. I mean, start,
0: yeah. and I, I'd i say, I don't think nine was too young that we jumped oh, yeah. on our bikes. No. And just like.
1: Yeah. Our rule was leave the bike out in front of whatever house you went into. So when we want to find you, we could drive down the street and say, oh, you're in that guy's house. You know I mean? It was people we knew, but. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to come home till you the sun went down or you heard a bell ring. That They had a neighborhood bell. <laughs> One family, they'd ring the bell, and all five of their kids came home, and our parents would say, when you hear that bell, that means you need to be home a little bit yeah. after that.
0: <laughs> I don't know why we didn't, like, die of dehydration and shit.
1: Oh, yeah. We did a lot
0: of drinking out of the hose, I guess. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, and that lasts for a lot longer than bottled water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you talk about deprivation, man. We're
0: fucking raised in deprivation. <laughs> I remember we talked about this when Neil was on, like in football, like a football mm. practice. Like if you needed more water, you, would sorry man, yeah. that's just a <laughs> that's, that's a weak. weak. Yeah. So the I guess the takeaway would be <clears throat> starting to organize your life, and these aren't these aren't perfect references. Seligman, since his first go around, he his first book was called Flourish, where he he developed the categories of pleasure flow and meaning and he's written another book and it's it it, whatever. Right. But I think they're useful. I think they're just useful categories. Yeah, Yeah. And the, the thing that I would encourage guys to do is, is an awareness of some of the dissatisfaction that you may be experiencing in your life is this, instant access to pleasure that we haven't earned right and it's you know it's it's just and it's the same way like pornography right mm-hmm. it's you know pornography is unearned pleasure whereas sex with an actual woman mm-hmm. right mm-hmm a lot of fucking effort, <laughs> yes,
1: you know, what yes, they say
0: definitely. foreplay begins in the morning, right? I got a fucking, I mean, I ain't emptying the dishwasher because I'm a kind, compassionate person. I'm trying to get laid. Yeah,
1: you're working that, on the evening. Hell person. yeah, man. That's
0: deprivation. I'd rather be watching <laughs> the football game, but nope, i go unload that dishwasher and who knows how <laughs> that might work out for me. But it's just, it's starting to have those lenses to look at our world mm-hmm. And starting to insulate myself from all of this pleasure that's bombarding mm-hmm. me that I may not even have an awareness of mm-hmm. and then creating some buffers of deprivation that I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to intentionally deprive myself from that mm-hmm. to start to develop just that psychological space mm-hmm. and then I want to start building things in where I, earn the pleasure. Yeah. I experience flow. I make a contribution, you know, get a goddamn journal, write in a journal, whatever. Mm -hmm. I always tell people your first journal entry is I'm supposed to write in this fucking journal. I have no idea what the fuck I'm supposed to write. There you go. There you go. First journal entry. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Now smoke the stogie. Yeah. Okay. You did your part. And to have a difficult conversation with your wife and then reward yourselves. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things where you can create that. Don't watch fucking TV with your kids. Go outside mm. and play something yeah. with your kids. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, the reason that we get so depressed when football season's over is because. We didn't fucking earn nothing, man. We're just like, oh, no, that's over. I got to wait till next season. Like, uh, you know, all of that yeah. kind of shit. And it's like, I mean, I'm going to keep watching football. But it's those those kinds of things, pleasure has value when we earn it. Mm-hmm. An unearned trophy is meaningless. Right. But a trophy that represents the hard work, the effort, and the sacrifice is represented in that, and that's where pleasure really starts to enhance the human
1: experience. Yeah, that's phenomenal, Jeff. You really uh wrap this up well. Is that yeah <laughs>
0: phenomenal? That's a big word. I, it is. Yeah. I, Are I, you? Uh, no. Is for real. that the right truck? Because don't. Oh, Don't give me fucking unearned pleasure!
1: <laughs> no, you earned it. You are phenomenal. Earned it. Yes, wow. phenomenal. Well, I'm gonna well, <laughs> take off early today. <laughs> and I did want to mention to our listeners that if you're interested with this sort of thing, we have a becoming man made course where we dive into this a lot deeper, and you have access to Jeff and myself to discuss it. So uh, contact us through the website or Facebook. To let us know if you're interested. And don't forget to scratch those balls and we will <laughs> see you next week.